boys kissing girls with their tongues. Within the extremely limited framework of my life experience on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, my mother had basically allowed me to rent hardcore porn. Tongues. Ferris proved to be a mere gateway drug, and I became such a heavy user of East 86th Street Video that for my 10th birthday, my parents gave me my own membership card. I was soon mainlining the classics. Mannequin, Romancing the Stone, Good Morning Vietnam, The Breakfast Club, Short Circuit, Indiana Jones, E.T., Spaceballs, Coming to America, Three Amigos, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Anything produced by Touchstone Pictures and absolutely everything featuring the two actors who I assured my little sister were the real talents of our era, Steve Gutenberg and Rick Moranis. My highbrow taste, which has lasted all my life, was forged then. These movies, which were largely seen as junk when they came out, were deeply formative and everyone I know in my generation feels exactly the same way. They provided the lifelong template for my perceptions of funniness, Eddie Murphy, coolness, Bill Murray, and sexiness, Kathleen Turner. They also taught me more about life than any library or teacher ever would. My parents could have saved literally thousands of dollars, jacked in the schools, and kept the membership to East 86th Street Video, and I'd still be essentially the same person today. But for a long time... These films had a terrible reputation, critically speaking. They were, and largely still are, dismissed as being as drecky as Ray, Egon, Winston and Peter at the beginning of the Ghostbusters sequel. Sold out and bloated. Something faintly embarrassing from the past that has left an ugly legacy of franchises and superheroes. 80s Hollywood, goes the popular critical thought, is when movies started to go wrong. They became obsessed with money and sequels and explosions and cheap gags, as opposed to art whereas the far more respected 1970s was the era of the auteur, when Hollywood directors like Robert Altman and Michael Cimino were allowed to pursue their creativity unhindered by studio meddling. The 1980s was the era of the producer, when entertainment took precedence and cartoonish figures like creepy Don Simpson and John Peters, who started his career as Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, were the ones with the power. Many have bemoaned this shift in power from the 70s to the 80s, aghast that the man who once permed Yentl's hair commanded the kind of industry respect once accorded to Altman. But my personal feeling is, when working in the entertainment business, an emphasis on actual entertainment is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if it means producing something like Top Gun instead of Heaven's Gate. After all, pretty much everyone, if they're honest, is happy to watch some 80s cruise on a Friday night, but only a very special few would kick off the weekend by cracking open a Chimino DVD. Yet snooty critics aside, 80s movies have maintained an astonishing level of popularity among actual audiences now, it feels, more than ever. It is taken as a given that mainstream American films from the 1980s have a kind of ironic appeal. Everyone wants to watch Trading Places, Scrooge and Die Hard at Christmas, to the point that to use a photo from an 80s movie as your Facebook avatar is pretty much a hopeless cliché. Partly this veneration comes from what I call the 30-year rule, This is when movies and fashions and TV shows and pop music that were dismissed as trash in their day are given their overdue status when their original fans grow up and insist that the culture of their youth was actually really important and actually nothing's been as good since. But adults today who saw those 80s movies as kids still adore them in a way that those who came of age in, say, the 60s most definitely do not of the Beach Party franchise, the teen movies of their youth. If anything... I love these 80s movies even more than when I first saw them. 
which is not something I'd say about anything else that I considered cool in the 80s. Sorry, Millie Vanilli. Although, if it's any consolation, you're still on my iPod, and I'm not ashamed of that. More strikingly, teenagers today who were born long after the decade itself love 80s movies in a way I certainly never did of the movies my parents grew up with. Some of the people who come up to me were teenagers when the movies originally came out, but the vast majority of the approaches I get on a daily basis come from 11 to 15-year-old kids, says Alex Winter, who appeared in two of the most fun 80s teen films, The Lost Boys and, of course, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They come up to me and are like, hey, you're Bill. It's amazing. I should probably pause here and explain what precisely I mean by 80s movies. When I started to think about writing this book, I spoke to a few film critics for their thoughts on 80s movies, including Peter Biskind, whose excellent book, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, is probably the best...